When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, uh, welcome to the next episode of the Challenge the Podcast. This is the one where Jakub makes a triumphant return, or it would have been a triumphant return if he earned like five <laughs> points in the predictions last time, but you know, we both didn't do anything basically. So um, anyway, uh, hello Jakub. <laughs> yes, it is great to be back. It was an unplanned absence of basically, yeah, uh, coming back to Slovakia, going to a festival, um having you know a lot of fun having my voice go a little bit then going to a cottage and having a very similar situation happen to me a week again uh but damian held it down very well but yes i'm i'm back now very happy to be back oh and i appreciate uh yeah actually like sort of off topic but i appreciate the couple of people who messaged me and said that i did okay on the on the solo episodes that was uh that was very nice of you guys and um yeah let's just get to the, the events that happened i think we had like what um 200s or is it that week or i i keep two two 100s and yeah. 375s this week yeah so let's start in granby where we had alexis galarno beat philip sekulic 643663 for his maiden challenger title at 24 years old just his second professional title which i was a bit surprised by that he hadn't won more futures he just won one an M15 in Fayetteville, Arkansas, back in November 2020. Uh, on his run, he beat Omar Jessica, 613663, Tyson Pierkowski, 6276, Tristan Schoolkate, 6463, and Tunglin Wu, 7663, before beating Sekuch in the final. He moves up 58 spots, number 162, breaking the top 200. What did you make of this week for Alexis Galeno? Um, yeah, that's interesting that he only has one ITF title, but I guess it kind of makes sense. Like after he um, finished college, I think he just instantly started playing challenger qualies and managed to you know stick or stick around. So um, so he only played a few of them. Um, yeah, I mean uh, he he beat Sekulic. This was pretty funny in Granby this week because um, it kind of blew up at some point, <laughs> and someone had to pick up the pieces. You know, we had an event with Kokinaki, Skudla, Kazo. Um, all pospicial, you know, all the all of these guys who we expected, uh, Shang as well, we whom we expected to uh, be like the main contenders for the title, and they all lost before the quarterfinals. And uh, Galano, yeah, was just there to um, to do the job. Sorry, that's an alarm clock of mine. <laughs> uh, and he he was there. He he definitely executed. Um, uh, you know what he had to do well he in the final the sort of the footwork and the anticipation of his that are always very impressive were key uh, because Sekulic I think was was just a little less fresh and uh, yeah Galerno had done one final in 2022 against Gomez um, certainly a player that has been there I think he um, also made it in Canada right so he now has two two challenger finals at home uh, has to be a pretty great moment for him to to grab that maiden title 
uh, in his home country. And also after the year that he's had, which wasn't really that impressive, he was also in danger of falling out of the US Open qualities. It doesn't seem like that with his ranking, uh, but that Winnipeg final that he had last year was actually going to drop right on time. Like it was actually going to drop right before the cutoff. So uh, if he didn't do anything this week or next or in the next one, which I don't think he's even playing now, that uh, he had to withdraw from Atlanta qualities. Uh, he actually was in danger of missing New York, so so that's that 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 run was really key. Yeah, I mean, by the time we got to the semifinals, Tunglin Wu was the only really sort of proven regular name that we've seen at the, at, yeah. the, at this level. Uh, and yeah, as you said, this was a very important run for Galarno, and he executed it perfectly. As for Filip Sekulic, this was his first challenger final. He has actually never won a, a professional title, five ITF finals, and now this one, zero and six in uh finals on the pro tour he started in qualifying of course beating uh perez and sinclair six three six four both of them coming back from a sit down in, in the first round uh against yesetuka uchima to win six one in the third then taking out uh dennis kudla justin boulay and james trotter the the last one in the third set tiebreaker uh sekulic moves up 137 spots number 340 breaking the top 400 what did you make of this breakout week uh for philip sekulic yeah i think um for a few years now he has been like named as a as a bit of a prospect of course he had the big bernie run at the beginning of the year then didn't actually play a single challenger until granby um yeah five itf finals i don't think i've watched any of them so cannot really speak on whether he uh, like underperformed in them because of nerves i don't think it really happened here um, even though he was pretty tired, there were large patches of the match when like his forehand was like the biggest shot on the court easily, and and he was actually like you know sort of bullying Galerno of it. Great match against Kudla Ujiyama. Um, so yeah, a real breakout run from a talented player who I don't think is like you know um Nick Kyrgios type of talent, but uh he can certainly stick around the challenge level if he once he actually gets there. Also gets a special exempt, I think, for Salinas now. So so it could be an even more important run for him if um if he manages to do something in Ecuador despite the um, tough journey that it has to be from Grandi. Yeah, I mean that's a tough turnaround, but still huge breakout for him. Huge ranking jump, and we will be hearing more from Philip Sekulic, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to our semifinalists, starting with James Strotter, who made the semis as a qualifier. Don't be fooled by his name. He is Japanese, uh, representing Japan uh, in the quality CD Strong Kirkheimer 7664 and Ezekiel Clark 7564. Uh, once he was in the main draw, he beat Nathan Ponwith 6376, got a second round retirement from. Tanasi Kokinaki's uh, 762 lab up, then beat James McCabe 7662. Uh, he just graduated Ohio State uh, last summer. He was their most improved, he was the most improved senior uh, of the entire uh, league. Of the, he was the ITA most improved senior and went 34 and 3 last year. Hmm. Uh, so he had a huge year in college. Apparently, he wasn't actually that great the first year or two. So he really made a jump last year. Uh, and now into his first career challenger semi-final. What did you make of Trotter? 
Yeah, Ohio State has like a crazy team there with like Kingsley, Boulet, Rotter, Bernard. All of these guys are playing challengers basically. And of course, um, it, it, you know, college tennis, despite this being on crack brackets, isn't really something I follow that much. I, I found an article that Trotter was at some point even 25 and 0 this college season. Um, I'm actually at Warsaw right now at the WTA 250, and a friend of mine yesterday told me the story about how he bet on James McCabe in the quarterfinals in Crampy because he just, you know, saw McCabe's name and he's like, okay, I know this guy, Trotter, who the hell is that? But that's the that's the danger of college players, right? They they show up in June and suddenly they're really good. Um, I had not seen James Trotter, I don't think, before this week. Um, he has like a very college play style, if that makes sense. You know, super aggressive, uh, for, goes forward into the court, that one-hander as well uh, that he takes very early. And almost almost got the job done against Sekulic, which I certainly wasn't expecting. Because even when he got to the semis, like the, the run, you know, Kokinakis retired against him. Uh, McCabe was just one win, but he he proved that he uh, actually had something going in that uh, in that semi. So, um, yeah, but let, let's see what he does. He said that he graduated already, right? So, um, uh, yeah, I guess it's full on pro tour from James Trotter from now on. Yeah, uh, the other semi finals was Tunglin Wu. Uh, he was on a good run, beating Rio Noguchi 6 of 6 2, Christian Harrison 6 3 6 4, and Maxime Janvier 6 4 6 4. I thought that he was the favorite to win the title at the semifinal stage, but he went out in straight sets to Galerno. Still made his third Chandra semifinal this year. Uh, any thoughts on Tungli Wu here? Yeah, as you said, he was like the second most, uh, well, actually, maybe the most established player by the time we got to the semifinals. And um, it's actually kind of surprising. Like, I, I haven't realized that he has two challenger finals this year already because of all the first round exits that he's picking up. Like, you don't really feel that. Yeah. Uh, but I guess with his style, it makes sense that he's going to be, like, great in patches, but then maybe a turn off for a few months. So I guess that that's also something that he kind of needs to work on, right, in order to, to take the next step. Um, to actually have these good good events in like streaks or yeah just way more often but when he does of course he's actually excellent yeah i mean it has been a couple of months for him um first not body back in january then tallahassee in april it seems like it's every three months that we see him <laughs> pop up with something i also wanted to mention boulet out of the quarterfinalists beating bicknell seven six love four six six four and Mark Lyell, 6-4-1-6-7-6 for his first career challenger quarterfinal. He also just graduated Ohio State uh, and moves up 77 spots to break the top 500. Any thoughts on Boulay here? Yeah, I remember him more from last year. I didn't actually see the match against Lyall this, this year, which I'm kind of sad about. Uh, remember he had like an awful backhand, but was playing a lot, so like serving volleying and, and going to the net at home. So also like a college play style, I suppose. Uh, there's a lot of these guys in, uh, in, in the college system. He also graduated. That's interesting because he's like 20, um, two years uh, younger, I think, than Trotter, or maybe one year younger. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure that he has graduated. Um... Oh, that's possible. I don't. I don't actually know that, but yeah. Um, I I'm not. I'm not sure he has that much of a of a chance of right now making it in the process throughout that. But he was definitely quite fun. A, a fun mess to watch. I think. Uh, and then over in the doubles, we had Christian Harrison and Michaelis Lidietis winning the title together. They did not drop a single set, and in fact, dropped just eighteen games uh, en route to the title. No walkovers either. Uh, so they were quite dominant this week. It's back-to-back -back titles for Libietis as well after winning Chicago last week. 
for Harrison's third title this season after winning uh, back-to-back titles in Tenerife earlier this year. They beat Skukate and Walton in the final third challenger final for both of those guys, and they won Bloomfield Hills together two weeks ago. So let's go over to Trieste, where we had Hugo Gaston, the fourth seed beating Francisco Passado 6-3-5-7-6-2 for his third challenger title, back-to-back titles after Yashi last week. On this run, he started by beating Salvatore Caruso, 6-1-6-love. Uh, Roman Hernandez Buruchaga, 6-3-4-6-6-love. Kirian Jacquet, 4-6-6-4-6-4. And Pedro Martinez, 6-3-3-6-6-2. Before the final, he moves up to 28 spots, number 92, back to the top 100 for the first time since March. What did you make of Bugas on this week? Yeah, I mean, to grab 200 points in two weeks is obviously absolutely insane. Uh <laughs> You to do that on the main tour, you would have to do like what uh, a semi, I guess, a, a final of a 250 and then 50 points somehow. So, yeah, it, it's absolutely huge for him. It was like a bit of a showcase of what he can do, and he just can remain relatively composed because it's he, he's still Hugo Gaston, right? I mean, you're not gonna change like the very nature of yourself, I suppose, but he was really playing with like different motivation, focus. And um, yeah, blasting his forehand in, in a lot of these matches. I'm not sure how much you were able to follow in like your college, um, fe- sorry, cottage festival era. But uh, Gaston in Yassi had that one against Zekic where he was a set and a breakdown uh, to, to Zekic. Uh, Zekic retired, he injured his back. And that suddenly turned Gaston into like a different sort of monster. So we have a real butterfly effect here. If if Gaston loses to Zekic in Yassi round one, maybe this round also doesn't happen. You know, he got a special exempt to play here. I don't think he was instantly scheduled to play here. So um, yeah, that, amazing. Yeah, I mean it's it's a huge run to win two hundred points to get back to the top to, to the top one hundred. Back in March, he was only in there for a week, so he's looking to become. I think the last time he was like regularly in there was like October last year. So this is this is really really big for big for Gaston. And also with his pre- uh, previous record in finals being really poor, right? Before this year, oh, he yeah, had like yeah. a one and five or something like that. Yeah, and speaking of one and five, that's what. Francesca Posado has now, <laughs> uh, after his sixth challenger final, first one this season, first one since um, August in, in Como last year, where he lost to Stebe. Uh, and that feels like the only really bad loss. It's not, it's not like he has bad, had a bad record losing to Rune, losing to Musetti, losing to Federico Coria previously. Uh, but on this run, he beat Luciano Tardelli 6 4 6 4. Then started a streak of three uh, comebacks from a set down against Dino Prismic to win 6-2 in the third, Andreozzi to win 6-4 in the third, and Marojan to win 6-2 in the third after uh, they had to suspend the match due to darkness and he was down a set and a break. Um, but yeah, he was of course defending the title here. His only title that he has on the Challenger Tour uh, from last year in Trieste drops down 14 spots to 170. But what did you make of this week from Passaro, who has sort of been disappointing on, on the year overall? Yeah, I think along with Nardi, he's been like the the biggest Italian disappointments of 2023. Um, last year, you know, that, that final against Zhang that he had in Trieste, it felt so huge because both of these guys we were expecting to see on the main tour in no time. Zhang actually pulled it off and Passaro didn't. I think maybe the top 100 opportunity that he had is already kind of gone. Uh, but, you know, 2024 is going to be another year. 
Uh, and of course, if he like went ballistic over the next few months, it's still possible. Uh, but this run was this run was really important for him because yeah, it, it just hasn't been working out this year. So um, beating, uh, as you said, Prismic, Andreotsi, Manoshan, all of them in a row, and also Tardelli, even that was regarded as like a very tough first round, right? So um, so that was absolutely huge. Uh, would the final look different if he didn't have to finish his semi on Saturday on Sunday? Who knows? Um, certainly there were there was some tiredness in the third set. Maybe it would have appeared anyway, just because of how long his matches were compared to well, Gaston, I guess, was going free in every single match as well. Uh and was also going for back-to-back titles. But Passaro definitely felt um fatigue more in that final. Uh but yeah, th- this is absolutely huge for his confidence, even if points-wise it actually makes him lose points, right? So <laughs> Yeah, but I mean it keeps him in the top two hundred, keeps Keeps him in yeah. in a good uh, rankings range, where he, he he was a pretty big risk had he lost in the first round to that daddy, uh, he he would have been in big trouble ranking wise. Uh, as for semifinalists, let's start with Fabian Marojan, who was my pick, the closest one uh, to making it to anywhere. He beat Villanueva six two seven six, Gigante seven five in the third, and Dalla Valle six one six four, and was up a set in the break on Passaro. Uh, the day before they, they they finished the match, his fourth challenger semifinal this season. What did you make of Marojan this week? Um, Marojan, yeah. Um, honestly, um, he was probably your best chance at a, at a point this uh, this week, right? So um, I'm not really glad he lost because yeah, still still he's a very exciting player. But I was relieved <laughs> because because I didn't want to get uh, go into next week with a tie. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think he was like lightly injured. He couldn't serve, um, you know, to his hundred percent. Um, well, yeah, he just couldn't serve at hundred percent. Um, he said that it's like a small injury, which you could see. But after the resumption of his semifinal against Passaro, he just didn't come out with, um, I don't know, the same intensity on Sunday. Definitely quite disappointing for him to to lose that from three six to four down. I mean, six three to four two up, and. Um, yeah, weird kind kind of a weird way. Maybe on Saturday he actually finishes finishes up the job. That that's how it seemed. Uh, but it's still a, a nice run, I guess. Right now we're like more excited to check out what he does in um major events, right? Because um he is playing Umag next week, I think. So um that this is like where we where we kind of have to check him right now. Um, but I think he's also scheduled for a challenger in a couple of weeks. So it, we're not saying goodbye just yet. Yeah, I mean, and, and actually, yeah, yeah um, um, Umag is a bit of a weird one because you have Carabaez by nine offnet seeded in there, but you also mm. have like Dominic Team and Marin Chilic making his comeback. So it's going to be a very interesting tournament. And Marojan will, of course, be in the mix there as well. Uh, as for the semifinalists, it was Pedro Martinez beating Peter Goyovchik 6 1 6 3, Marcello Serafini 6 3 7 5, and Stefano Napolitano 6 2 6 4 before losing to Gaston. His third challenger semifinal this year. What did you make of Martinez? Um, yeah, sorry, I I kind of lost myself, but I was just replying to a message. But yeah, Pedro Martinez was my pick, <laughs> so I guess I was hoping for him there uh, to pull it off. But he obviously lost to Gaston. Still a nice week. Uh, he is trying to return to the top one hundred. It's clearly not going to be like a. You know, instant return. He wins five challengers in a row or something. That's not really happening. You can see that. Uh, but maybe in in time he can actually pull it off. Um, feels like he's kind of cleaning up the the issues that he had recently. In like you know the fact that one match he played was excellent, and then 
the the next one was just absolutely awful. Um, this week he played, you know, he had four very decent performances. So that's that's the sort of uh, you know performances that he had to that he has to pull off week in week in week out if he is to return to the top one hundred fairly soon. Yeah, and I also picked up Enrico Della Valle out of the quarterfinalists, uh, beating Chung Sin Seng 4-6-7-6-7-6, and then Flavio Koboli 7-6-6-1 to reach his first career challenger quarterfinal at 25 years old. What did you make of this run and Della Valle overall as a, as a player? Um, yeah, I, I watched him recently in, a, in an ITF final, even when he gave on one game to Pavel Josh, which was uh, quite a quite a, um, quite an experience, obviously from my perspective. Uh, but yeah, he he um, saved three match points against Chun Sang. That was a crazy match, and clearly is playing like you know um, he is at his peak right now. I think um, game wise, I don't think he's ever played like this. The last few years, he actually hasn't even played all that much. Um, I'm not sure what the reasons were, probably some injuries, but um, yeah, the last couple of weeks, especially the, the ITFs that he played in Slovenia, which he won two of them. And then the um, then obviously also that this run in Trieste uh, just really makes you think that right now he can actually, you know, do something at the challenger level. He's probably going to have to play qualifying most of the time, but um, yeah, excited to see if he is actually signed up for, for a lot of these, because here he got a wild card, but um, well, he, he should be playing in San Marino, in Cordenons, so um, expect to see Dallavala a lot more in Challenger qualifying from now on. Yeah, yet another Italian to to join the ranks uh, on the Challenger Tour. It's, Maybe also yeah, a late there's... breakthrough, right? You know, uh, like Babasoni, yeah. Brancaccio and the likes. It's it's just a never-ending conveyor belt of, of Italian players flowing into the Challenger Tour right now. Uh, over in the doubles, we had Matthew, Matthew Christopher Romeos and Jason Taylor winning the title, first challenger title for Romeos and the second one for Taylor after winning Lille with Max Purcell earlier this year. They beat Bortolotti and Pellegrino in the final for Bortolotti, the third challenger final for Pellegrino, the third final overall this season, if you include winning Santiago uh, with Vavasori, which was a 250. Um, we also had a bizarre situation where we had walkovers in both of the semifinals, so there was no semifinal stage uh, in the doubles. But now we can move on to Pozo Blanco, where we had Hugo Granier, the top seed, beating Juan Pablo Ficovic 6-7-6-2-7-6 for his fifth challenger title, 5-1 and one in finals, and he has won five in a row uh, on, on the challenger tour on, on finals. Second one this season... Uh, and they've both ended in final set tie breaks. First uh, against Billy Harris and last Franquesas del Valles, and now against Vikovic. On his run, he beat Pierre-Hug Eber 6-4 in the third to start, and took out Alibek Kachmazov 7-6-6-3, Antoine Escoffier 6-4-6-3, Alejandro Morocanas 6-4-3-6-6-1, moves up 13 spots to number 122. What did you make of this run from Granier? Yeah, seems to be a king, the king of Spanish challengers on hard courts. Um, Alicante yes, final, Spanish hard that that that's his bag for sure. Um, Alicante final, Segovia title, uh, Las Franquesas del Valle's title, and Pozo Blanco title. He can basically go for months without like a decent win and then win Las Franquesas del Valle's or uh, Pozo Blanco. Of course, in the meantime, he also had a big run in Madrid, the ATP um, 1000. Uh, I'm not really sure. Like, is there is there anything about the conditions that makes him play well in Spanish challengers, or is it more about the quality of the field suiting him more? 
Um, probably the latter, honestly. Uh, but yeah, in the in the final against Vikovic, he was like fully in his big serve pusher mode that we sometimes see. Uh, then actually got a bit more active towards the end, which I think was right in time. Uh, but yeah, uh, the the Spanish hard courts. Um, it it seems like we kind of were missing a trick by not um not picking him to to win because he just never really looked like losing despite playing three deciding sets, um, and also saving a break point in the in the third set against Fikovic. And uh, th- these are the events where he actually shows that he belongs at these ranks. And yeah, um, recently he just hasn't been winning matches at all. So that's kind of wild. Yeah, I mean, he, he had a tough start this week against Herbert, uh, who pushed him quite a bit. But then he wasn't actually threatened really until the final. So yeah, we, we, we might be missing a trick by, by not going Grenier on these on these events. Uh, as for Fikovic, this was a seventh challenger final, two and five in those finals. Uh, his second one this season, he has actually lost both now in third set tiebreakers after losing to Empechi Pericat in Leon. Uh, this week, he beat Ryan Peniston 3 6 7 6 6 3, Chemi Olkel 6 4 6 7 6 3, Daniel Zuckerman 6 2 3 6 7 5, and Terence Atman 6 4 6 4. Moves up 70 spots number 292, which tells you about how much he had actually dropped in the rankings. Yeah. Now, only returning uh, to the top 300. What did you make of Fikovic this week? Yeah, 125 was like a pretty crazy carry high from Juan Pavlovicovic, I think. But at the same time, 360 is also clearly not um, all that relevant. Um, you know, right now he's at 290, but that's what he was before um, before Pozoblanco. Um, definitely, like we've seen his schedule focus more on hard courts, and that's clearly where he like has his strengths right now. Uh, maybe some altitude events could be fine as well, but. Uh, but yeah, when he gets that pop from the surface, he can really like produce this attacking play style uh, that he has. And um, honestly, I was actually kind of impressed with, he, with the way he played in the final. Lots of nice forehand offense. He just struggled against Grenier, just really slowing it down and trying to bore him to death <laughs> most of the time. Um, on, he kind of doesn't have like the, I don't know, the self-discipline, I guess, to, to um, play so aggressively and limit his errors. Uh, at the same time, but yeah, still, still a very fine week that could have ended in round one. He was actually match point down against Peniston, and Peniston missed like a backhand up the line that wasn't probably a winner, but was like a point winning shot potentially. So, um, so absolutely huge for Fikovic to do it this year. And just like with Tunglin Wu, uh, not really a player that you would think has two challenger finals this year with all the first round exits yeah. that he's picking up. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that I I almost forgot about that final in in Leon when I was uh, doing the notes for this. But yeah, huge week for Fikovic on on his way back now uh, to sort of being a a challenger regular. Hopefully, as for our semifinalists, let's start with Moro Cañas, who beat Barroso Campos six three in the third, Yamas Rui seven five in the third, and Danadet six four six three for his third challenger semifinal this season. All have been since the start of May. Uh, so he has really come into the groove in 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 the recent months. What did you make of Morocanas on this run? Yeah, we've seen before that he can also play well on hard courts. As you said, I mean, so many good challenger runs this year. Quarterfinals in Tenerife, Rovereto, then the three semis. Um, still hasn't won one, so I guess you know he'll be looking to do that next. But um, it's still it's still a plus, a big win over Yamas Ruiz for sure, which felt like a very exciting matchup of like. Um, fairly similarly aged and like, uh, well, 
talented, maybe maybe not that similarly, but like still um, exciting Spanish prospects that are at, at, at a similar stage of their careers. Yeah, and Atman was our other semi-finalist beating Vives Marcos 7-6-7-6, then Berankis 7-6-6-3, and Butvilas 3-6-7-6-6-4. I wonder if anybody has beaten two Lithuanians uh, hmm. in the same challenger event before, or, or if Atman is, is the new record holder of this. In like the uh, in like Berankis's prime, was there any Lithuanian uh, playing? Well, the, 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 there, there was there, there was Grigelis, Grigelis, uh, but but I, feel I guess like, yeah, yeah, he, he was sort of on on the fringes while Berankis was on, yeah. almost on the main tour for most of it. Yeah, so so I don't know if they ever really overlap for for. Oh, uh, actually, that there is there is one I think um, Antoine Escoffier, Vinius last year, uh, Gaubas oh, and right, Butfilas, yeah. right? Um, I oh, think they, he played Gaubas in the opening round and then Butf or, or the other way round. But but he beat Gutfilas and Galpas in a row, yeah. Yeah, of, of of course you remember this out of your head. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, because I was there. Uh, <laughs> because I was there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Atman first career challenger semifinal after losing uh, at the quarterfinal stage six <laughs> times already on the challenger tour this season. Uh, so a little bit of a breakthrough for him. What did you make of this run? Um, yeah, I, I actually read a very interesting quote from Teres this week, and I call, sort of started calling him the savant because he uh, is. Um, he says that his IQ is one hundred and fifty eight, and that it actually Whoa. is pretty tough for him on the court because he thinks too much, um, which was something that I never really, uh, you know, um, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I had no idea about the guy's intelligence, but. Um, yeah, it, it was just something really interesting to think about, especially as he has like a very aggressive play style. So you wouldn't think that there's all that much to think about, I suppose. Uh, but you know, um, that's that's what the guy said. So it's really inter- it's a really interesting fun fact from now on, I think. And um, yeah, had a had a very nice week. He is potentially, I think, uh, like a, a player who will win challenger titles at some point, just because of how you know when he. Um, yeah, just when he tunes in, when he has a good serving day, when he just rushes to the net a lot, he can be really overwhelming for uh, for lots of these players. And yeah, clearly, I mean, he's made so many quarterfinals this year already. I think this was the first semi. Was this his first semi? Yeah, I think first, so, right? First semi-final in his career, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so still making some small progress, slowly but surely, and maybe will be in the US Open qualities. Stuff to say right now, 234, Segovia it will be like an event where he gets the chance to secure it. Yeah, I mean, that, that's very interesting that he has like such a high IQ. I yeah. remember the only other player I remember speaking about their IQ was I think Marion Bartoli. Who, yeah. who also talked about having a very high IQ. Um, there's this famous, yeah, um, very, very interesting. There's this famous graphic that they showed on like on like Wimbledon or maybe uh, where they had like famous people IQs and Marion Bartoli was there along with like Albert Einstein and then some other uh, players just during a match. Um, it was just a regular, you know, like they show I don't know first serve points one. They showed um, IQs of like notable people and Marion Bartoli was on there. I think it was during her match. Yeah, uh, let's move on to Edas uh, Butfilas, who made the quarterfinals here, beating Lorenzo Justino 6-1-6-2 and Emilio Navas 6-3-6-4 for his first challenger quarterfinal at 19 years old. Uh, any thoughts on Butfilas uh, here? Yeah. Someone that I watched a ton, of course, in these two of Vilnius challengers. Well, maybe not a ton, because he lost, I think, in, in the first round in, in one of them and in the second round in the other. 
uh, both thanks to Escoffier, by the way. Uh, but um, definitely, um, you know, one of a, a great junior. Uh, I think potentially uh, he, along with Galbas, you know, are going to be like the the main um, characters in Lithuanian tennis for years. And, and it's actually a pretty exciting future, I think, for them to to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they both seem like actual talents, not just like you know low, low, local wild cards that, that that we see. Yeah. Uh, so so they are both they are both quite intriguing. Uh, over in the doubles, we had Jisung Nam and Min Kyu Song win their sixth challenger title together, their twentieth title overall. Uh, they've been a regular pair for a very long time. But Nam, of course, was playing with Artem Sitak earlier this season. They won a title together. As well, uh, Nam and Song beat Luke Johnson and Benjamin Locke in the final. The fourth final uh, for Johnson and the third one for Locke this season. 10-8 uh, in the super tiebreaker. Let's move on to Amersfoort, where we had Maximilian Materer beat Tito Androgei 6-4-6-2, his eighth challenger title, eight and three in finals. Uh, his first challenger title since Bratislava 2020 and his first one on clay uh, since Banja Luka Odui back in 2017. Uh, so a very nice run from Matreb here. Uh, he beat Steven Diaz 6-3-6-4, Jakub Benšík 6-3-7-6, Mikhail Head 6-1-6-2 and Rudolf Malker 6-4-7-6. So he did not drop a single set this week. Moves up 13 spots, number 144. What did you make of Matreb this week? Yeah, had a big Wimbledon run and honestly just played just as well this time. If if not for the opening round loss in Braunschweig, we'd be talking about him continuing that form. Uh, of course, he he lost to Agamemnone, who eventually won the title, so it wasn't like a poor loss. Uh, but yeah, he played with uh, just lots of intensity, hitting his forehand great. Um, it was it was nice to see him in this form. Maybe a top 100 return is possible soon. I actually found this found an article of mine from 2020, which said something like Martyr ends title drought. And yeah, right now he kind of did the same. <laughs> because again, it's been about two and a half years for, between his titles. Uh, but yeah, if, if he can continue this, certainly that it is possible for him to return to the top 100. Of course, a guy who had an extremely high career, high ranking, but uh, then got injured and like never really returned to his form. But yeah, if, he, if he's playing like this, uh, no sets lost, only two tie breaks required against some very tough opposition. And against Droga, I think he was just way too, way too good. Yeah, I, I watched the last couple of uh, games uh, at Wimbledon of Marte against mm-hmm. Borna Goyo. Uh, because I was waiting for them to uh, vacate the courts so I could try and steal a spot for Molchan Imer. Uh, but it was one of those courts where you only have like yeah. four benches either side. So I had uh, no luck there. But yeah, it, it really, and, and like we watched him in Bratislava together. And with how versatile he is across the surfaces, with how good the game is, it is sort of puzzling that he doesn't do this more often, really. Yeah. Because like he is just such a good player. And uh, he now has a rematch with Moleker, by the way, in Hamburg, which is really interesting to the two German wildcards. Yeah, uh, probably the favorite in that one as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, as for Droke, uh, this was his third challenger final, his second one this season after Modena. At the end of last month, uh, he beat Verbensky here, 6-1-6-4, Elmer Moller, 6-3-6-4, Deckers, uh, Alec Deckers six three four six six three and Matis Erhard seven five six one. So not the hardest run you've ever seen to to a challenger final, but he still moves up 
25 spots, number 180, his new career high ranking. What did you make of T1 Droge this week? Yeah, and he actually didn't play another challenger or another event between Modena and Amersfoort. So it's sort of back to back that he makes challenger finals. Um, we, we've talked about him a few times. He's like another one of these big serve solid players <laughs> that, you know, sort of doesn't do much in rallies after he puts in that big serve. And I think someone like Martere just really exposed it with the way he was um, blasting his forehand. But obviously, Droge is, um, you know, now a top 200 player and it's like not, you know, he, he is probably like one of the weaker top 100, top 200 players to me. Uh, but his game is certainly um, quite confusing for a lot of players who like just don't have the sort of sustained aggression to hit through him. Uh, he, he's beaten so many of these like very aggressive but young, raw, inexperienced guys this year. And I think they, they really struggle against him. And then you can see that. And yeah, just an amazing run from him, with, from even from June, where he was uh, winning ITFs and making finals. Yeah, let's move on to our semi-finalists. Started with Matthias Ed, who started in qualifying, beating Sloomp 6264 and Potenza uh, 6162. In the main draw, he beats Thibaut Colson in two tie breaks, Nicolas Davidionel 6263, and then got a retirement from Facundo Diaz Acosta after winning the first at 6-3. Facundo Diaz Acosta, by the way, I think he retired with mental fatigue, uh, which I had actually not seen before, like an in-match retirement. From um, he looked very physically um, fatigued to me, fatigued to me, honestly. But, uh, but... that's in- interesting that, that that like that's what they wrote down on the yeah. on the sheet. But yeah, uh, he had just won a challenger major win in his career coming into this week, so a huge week for for Ed Hat. What did you make of it? Yeah. Um. By the way, Droge, that was his third challenger final, right? This year, um, along with um. The one where he lost to Zapieri earlier in the year in Sherbrooke. So, uh, so not, I think we said second. Uh, but anyway, uh, right. Matis Erhardt um, beating Nicolas Sionel in the second round, I think, was the big win. Uh, it's a shame that we didn't get to see that Diaz Acosta match in full because that that's something that could have told us a lot, probably. Uh, of course, at the French, he had like a very inspired performance against Koboli uh, in qualifying. And he clearly has some potential. You know, it's just a matter of whether he's going to be able to like um yeah produce it in in longer patches um even i'm not talking about like uh, you know matches tournaments i'm just talking about games and um yeah it's just a shame we didn't get to see that quarterfinal because that's something that i guess would have told us a lot uh, but yeah for me diaz acosta i think was actually physically fatigued rather than mentally this much but maybe both you know maybe mm-hmm. yeah uh our other semi-panelist was rudolf molliker beating sander young 6476 and then uh Delbonis 6163 and Gotion Clan 6262 following up that Heilbronn semi-final with another run here. What did you make of Molokat this week? Still like maintaining his great form. Um we'll see if he manages to beat Martyrer this time in Hamburg, but you know it would be pretty huge for him. Uh, but the way he just crashed on Clay and Delbonis, it was really impressive. And uh, clearly, I mean, so for the last two months or something, he has been absolutely bowling and uh, finally, like, um, just um, playing up to his potential. He had a good chance for US Open qualities this week. Uh, he actually didn't make it, of course, uh, but maybe he can make up for it in Hamburg. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we, of course, had Alec Deckers, yeah. the son of Richard Krajicek, making the quarterfinals here. Beating Martin Landalus 7675 and Jan Hoinski 6276 for his first career wins at the challenger level. He only started his season in April 
what did you make of this run for for Deckers and his game overall? Well, he was pretty fantastic. I mean, the serve, the forehand, um, lots of like um, dynamic footwork. Um, very excited to see this. Amersfoort always tends to bring out these guys, I think, to the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max Hokes last year made the quarters. Even Sander Young was great last year. Hokes did, I mean, almost make the top, top 300, I think, with this by the end of the year. Maybe Deckers has the same uh, story. It's possible. I think he has the game to do it. And over in the doubles, we had Manuel Guinard and Gregoire Jacques win their third challenger title together. Uh, and they've also reached the final since teaming up in Troisdorf at the start of June. They're 12 and 1 as a team. Uh, they've really just started playing together and it has just gone brilliantly well for them, uh, continuing to be dominant. In the final, they beat Mats Hermans and Sander Young. First challenger final for either of those Dutch guys. We can move over to Tampere, where Sumit Nagal won the title, beating Dalibor Stocina 6-4, 7-5. His fourth challenger title, four one in finals, and the second one this season. He started by beating Jerzy Veseli, 6-4, Took out Reishta Silva in a third set tiebreaker, beat Aziz Dugas, 6-3, 6-3. Came back from a set down against Daniel Rincon to win 6-2 in the third. Uh, moves at 55 spots, number 176, and he's back in the top 200 for the first time since September 2021. Uh, so almost two full years outside of the top 200. He was uh, outside of the top 500 earlier this season. So this has just been a great, great resurgence from Nagal. What did you make of this week? Yeah, I mean, not so long ago, we were actually talking about him possibly having to play ITFs only. And if not for a couple of like well-used wildcards in the Indian swing, it would have happened. So, um, yeah, amazing turnaround to make New York after that. Uh, you know, it was just in February. It was just five months ago. And, um, yeah, just a fantastic batch of play that he's had. Again, clearly proving that he, like, belongs in the top 200. And, uh, yeah, we welcome him there once again after, like, um, I don't know. I think I checked it. It was, like, 22 months or something. That Yeah, yeah. Um, asked for Dalibor Svrčina, his fifth challenger final. Uh, two and three in those finals, second one this season, and the first one in his career outside of the Czech Republic. Uh, so a breakthrough of sorts for for Sarcina, uh, making it outside of his home country. He beat Filip Christian Jano, 3-6-6-3-6-3. Took out Casanova, 7-5-7-6. Lukáš Klein, who was my pick for the title, 7-6-6-1. And Henry Squire with the same score. Uh, up 27 spots, number 166. His new career high ranking. What did you make of Svecina this week? Yeah, he's such a counter to do these guys like Squire Klein, who just blast a big ball and, and you know he's fast. He has a lot of variety on the defense, and uh, it, it was kind of funny to see them uh, both like super frustrated playing against China. China has also beaten Ridi twice this year, so uh, you know th- th- there's a pattern there. Uh, but Nagal, I I think um, against someone who can like. Uh, yeah, just play it with more control and maybe aim for bigger targets. Sutina's um, defense maybe then isn't so effective. So he loses the final. But as he said, it's still a big run for him. Um, first one outside the Czech Republic, which, you know, shouldn't really like be a thing, right? I mean, um, th- there's no reason why, uh, other than, of course, the home crowd, why he shouldn't be succeeding in challengers elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, let's go on to our semi-finalists, starting with Henry Squire, who beat uh, Toby Alex Kodat, 6-11-3rd, took out John Borpiroz, 6-7-6-4-6-1, six, 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 
beat Daniel Michalski as well, 751663. His second career challenger semifinal after Troisdorf last year. What did you make of this run from Henry Squire? Oh, yeah, down to the top 300, uh, beat Pirosh, uh, which was, I think, a huge one. Also, yeah, like his level there was just, just really good. Uh, Pirosh, of course, the defending champion in Tampere. Um, I'm kind of angry at him for stopping Michalski because he had a chance for US Open qualies too. If he, I think, reached the final this uh, year or, you know, definitely would have had it if he won the title. Uh, but a fantastic run for Squire, the, the right-handed Mats Moraing. And um, yeah, he he just lost to Sutina the same way Lucas Klein did in the same in the quarters, and wasn't really like watching two exactly the same matches. <laughs> yeah, uh, Daniel Rincon also reached the semifinals, uh, first beating Rotoli seven five in the third, then Kimer Kopian seven five six four, and Dui Aydukovic six three six one back to back semifinals for Rincon after San Benedetto last week. What did you make of this run? Yeah, back-to-back semis is is pretty huge. Um, I don't think he at any point of these two events like really looked like a title winner, but it's still it's still absolutely insane for him to to make back-to-back semis. Of course, a former Grand Slam juniors champ that kinda had a bit of a longer way to the to the pros than maybe um, some expected, but uh, he is there right now. Um, I don't think he's gonna make it for US Open, but you know, very nice chance of making Melbourne qualifying. So that would be the next goal on his uh, in his career right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and over in the doubles, we had Shimon Kiela and winning his first challenger doubles title after eight ITFs uh, alongside Piotr Matuszewski, for whom it was the second challenger title. They beat Vladislav Orlov and Adam Taylor, and Adam Taylor both making their final debuts. Uh, on the Challenger Tour. Any thoughts on, on Kielan and Matuszewski? Yeah, I mean, Kielan was just his second Challenger doubles appearance, which is kind of wild, but um, I'm not that surprised. You know, this wasn't the strongest Challenger doubles event for sure, um, at least especially in these guys that they actually play had to play, uh, you know, a bit like Nervalkov losing in the quarters. Uh, but um, yeah, Kellan, uh, I think, has a lot of potential in doubles. I just wish that he first um, unleashes his singles game and then goes to doubles. That's that's my that's my hope. I think he still has a lot to do in singles as well, but uh, it hasn't been working out that well for him recently. Uh, but doubles, I think he, uh, you know, with the with the huge serve and also how aggressive he is on return, like whatever happens, the guy is just going to blast a big return, and that in doubles is actually a good strategy. In singles, it tends to lose in matches, so maybe doubles will actually turn out to be the perfect fit. Yeah, let's move on to match of the week and upset of the week. Where would you like to start? Um, let's start with a match. Uh, it was very hard for me yesterday to um, even find the like the poll options because you know five events and so many different matches. Right now, leading in the poll is actually Sumit Nagal against Raul Lucas Reis da Silva. I was not expecting that. Uh, I put two matches from Pozoblanco into the poll, which were Grenier Fikovic and Ilker Menendez Maceiras, and I'm gonna go with Menendez Maceiras. You know, in his last career match. Me too. Uh, three hours for how many minutes? Three hours something. Yeah, it was just a very Menendez Maceiras thing to do, and uh, amazing uh, fight. Um, you know, may- maybe not the most exciting playstyle. Honestly, I-, I never really enjoyed Menendez Maceiras all that much. But when he played his last match, and you know, n- not having played for like so, so long, and um, to to see all this drama and him just working his ass off to to try to get to Ilka, it was it was really wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I mean, amazing, amazing fight uh, to, to, to go out. 
Um, of course, we we sort of saw him get and and like like good runs in uh, last year in in Morelos with with that final. Uh, couldn't couldn't win it unfortunately, and uh, yeah, didn't play this season at all. Did, did you see this is his last match? Is that confirmed? Yeah, yeah it is confirmed. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, I mean, he he probably would have liked to win, but still, amazing amazing fights to 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 go up with. Who did you go with for the upset of the week? Yeah, I see a few very big scores from when it comes to when it comes to the bookies, uh, not counting retirements, of course, but like Schoolgate over Kazoa, I don't think it's that huge. Uh, Dalavale over Koboli, given Dalavale's recent form, is pretty huge still, but um, you know, he had some good idea France. So I'm gonna go with uh, someone who stopped the Orpic, and uh, it was uh, Gaiden Ogden, or however it is pronounced, <laughs> beating um, Jesper de Jong in uh, Amersfoort. Uh, which, um, yeah, given De Jong's 2023 campaign, is just a, a pretty major upset. And also the fact that De Jong has just qualified for UMAG too. So uh, that makes it even bigger, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I was deciding between that match and Morena de Alboran losing to Zuckerman. Oh, um, yeah. But Zuckerman, I feel like, is a, a sort of a more established name. I I, I hadn't heard of uh, De Jong going into this week. Uh, so that certainly uh, shocked me a bit more when he when he took out my pick for the title. Um, all right, on we go to the winners' picks. Uh, we are still at sixteen to seventeen, I believe. Uh, and let's start in Zug, which is the challenger one twenty five, which we have this week. Arthur Rinderknecht is the top seed there. He will face a qualifier, and then Mika Brunold or Stefano Travaglia. Uh, then we have Arrow Mayo play the sixth seed playing Federico Ferreira Silva. Uh, then facing Adrian Andreev or Mateus Pucinelli de Almeida. We have Yuri Rodionov facing off with Haman Medjedovic in a massive first round. Winner facing uh, Dragos Nikolai Magdaras or a qualifier in the next match. Otto Virtanen, the fifth seed, will play a qualifier and then Zizou Bergs or Maximilian Neukrist. Alexander Richard will play a qualifier, and then Jakub Menshik or Santiago Rodriguez Taverna. Fabio Fognini is in here as the fourth seed, playing Kilian Feldbausch, and then Yella Sells or Aziz Dugas. Dimitar Kuzmanov is the eighth seed, playing a qualifier, and then Dalibor Svercina or Mateo Gigante, and Dominic Sticker, coming off of a doubles title with Stan Vavrinka last week in Stadt, uh, is the second seed in this tournament, playing Yoris Delore, and then Jeffrey Blancano or a qualifier. Over in the qualifying, we have names like Manuel Guinat. He's facing Michal Verbensky. We also have um, Ribeiro, Jacquet, Jean-Marco Ferrari is here. Remo Bertola is playing Sakamoto. Uh, Kirkin is playing Wenger. In the doubles, Luterovic and Manafov are the top seeds. Uh, we also have Inigo Cervantes playing with Sergio Matos Gornes. Um, Aribash and Sanchez are the second seeds. This is not a particularly strong doubles draw for, for 125, but we have Guinard and Jacques, they're the fourth seeds, and an informed pair also have Zizou Bergs playing with Yoris Delors. But overall, not, not too many big uh, regular challenger pairings that we have had this year. Going back to the main draw, singles, who do you like for the title here? Yeah, probably no one from the qualifying that's capable of winning this. Um has to be mentioned that this is like a very unique event in that it's like specific like um synthetic clay uh, thing uh konipur tennis force is the name of it i think it's also in, in stuttgart in the wta 500 and uh it's also a bit of altitude so um it, it's gonna be really fast <laughs> that's basically what we uh what we uh can um 
well, that's what basically what we know. Dominic Striger, of course, won it last year. And uh, I don't know if he's going to do it again. It would be vital for him because, yeah, 125 points. And he's so close to the top 100 again. Uh, he actually played for the top 100 last week in Stadt, losing to Ketsmanovic. And it seemed to mess with him a bit. Like, it, it just wasn't a great showing at all. Um, Rinderneh on such courts should be pretty good. But playing Trevalia in the second round, not ideal. Uh, but his section is pretty good, so I, I'm thinking of him because the second quarter, um, Rodionov Majedovic opening round, Jesus Christ, uh, probably Majedovic is the favorite, but he can definitely lose that. Uh, Berg's Virtalen potentially in the second round, I also don't want to pick out of this. Menchik uh, on these courts could be good, but still playing Richard, who at home and on in such conditions also should be pretty decent. Fonini, I don't think is a real pick anymore. Um, Striker is the other option, I think, but he's playing the lore in the opening round. It could be a bit tricky, and we know Stryker, um Stryker is tricky, right? <laughs> I mean, Stryker can can definitely uh, lose um, to someone, you know, just someone. Like, it doesn't really matter who it is on the other side of the net. Sometimes he just has this weird showing. He actually lost to the lore this year, but it was like a, a blowout, but he never really cared, it seemed, in that match in Vilnius. Um, so I think I'm just going to go with Rinderneg. Um I don't think he's particularly strong right now, but he will probably again, like last year, like pull off some good challenger results and keep himself in the top 100. Uh, Travalia in the second round is the problem, but otherwise that section of his is actually pretty nice. So I'm I'm going with Artur Rinderneg. Yeah, Rinderneg does have a nice section where you have seen Stryker sort of struggle in... in moments where the pressure is quite high of course it, it took him a long time to to qualify for for a slam uh now defending a title we'll see but i i will back him here uh despite the the lure in the in the first round uh after that if, if it's faster clay i'm probably not particularly bothered by blancano in the second round and then svercina potentially in the quarterfinals although it could be kuzmanov but yeah dominic sticker i i quite like as the as the pick here also, the, the, the semi-final matchup seems uh, more pleasant than what Rinderknecht will face out of the Rodionov, Medjedovic, yeah. Bergs, Vitanen section as well. Let's go over to Segovia, the challenger 100 there. Hard courts. Maton Fuchovic is the top seed playing Mikhail Hertz and then Nikolas Mejia or a qualifier. Mattia Bellucci, the fifth seed, will play Ryan Peniston and then Steven Diaz or Terence Atman. Emilio Nava will play David Horda Sanchez in with a wild card, uh, and then Eupovic or a qualifier. Escoffier here is surrounded by qualifiers, facing one in the in the first round, and then one of two qualifiers in the second round. Uh, Richard Berankis plays George Lofhagen, who is in here in here with a wild card. That's that's interesting. Uh, could then face Fernando Vetasco, another wild card, or Dana Dead in the second round. In that section, also we have Moreno de Alboran, the third seed, playing Alejandro Morocañas. Could then face Goncalo Oliveira, who's been having some nice uh, results on the ITF. Seven ITF titles this or... year already. Madaras is shaking in his boots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Chem Ilkel, potentially. Final section, we have Hugo Grenier, the second seed, playing Dominic Palan. And then Antoine Bellier or Juan Pablo Fikovic. Pablo Yamas Ruiz is the sixth seed, playing a qualifier. And then Pierre-Hugues Herbert or Marc Lyal. Over in the qualifying, we have uh, Ali Bekachmazov as the, as the top seed. We also have guys like Ulysses Blanche, Edas Butvilaj, Robert Strombach is, is in qualifying, Konstantin Bitton Kuzmin, 
Um, but probably no one that. Uh, Where's Daily Blanche? If Uri says Blanche is here, <laughs> Daily Blanche has been getting challenger yeah. wildcards every every week. Where is he? Yeah, I mean they 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 decided to give one to Lothagen this week, not to not to Daily Blanche. Interestingly enough, uh, over in the doubles we had I we have Isam Kureshi playing with Divi Sharan. Uh, the top seeds in here with a bye. We have David Marrero actually playing with Fernando Vedasco uh, as wildcards together. That's incredible. Marrero, yeah, Marrero played with Morano de Alboran last week, so he's been playing with some actual uh, doubles partners uh, and, and having a little bit of success uh, as opposed to just playing with Druva Mulier uh, a, a couple of times a year, so that's nice to see. Um, we also have uh, Boli Pali playing with Arjun Kadhe. Uh, Nam and Song, the champions from last week, will face Mattia Bellucci and Artur Bouquier, which is an interesting pairing. Dana Dead and Pierre Berber also can't discount them. This is a nice, nice doubles draw. I will be following this. But going back to the singles, who do you like for the title here? Yeah, Marero Verdasco, if, if someone doesn't know, they actually played a lot of main tour doubles back in the day and they made the um, ATP finals in 2013. ATP finals, yeah. So uh, that's pretty ridiculous that we're getting that. In 2022, they played a match. I don't even really remember that. It was Acapulco um, qualifying the ATP 500. Uh, but mm -hmm. yeah, otherwise, they only really played like a lot together in 2012, 2014. Uh, anyway, um, qualifying, you know, against Fajikson, that's pretty interesting. Maybe Blanche could do something, but again, the, the, the draw just seems a bit too good for a qualifier to make that much of an impact here. Um, you know, potentially talking about winning Escofier, that all qualifier draw seems really interesting for him because he kind of keeps getting this, I think, but he's really good in cl at cleaning this up. An example, mm -hmm. uh, of course, would be Butfilas Kaubos, uh, which we talked about earlier, uh, where uh, where he uh, often gets these like slightly weaker player in weaker players in challengers. But yeah, of course, we we've talked a few times about um, him um, having a lot of quarterfinals, second rounds, basically very rarely losing in the opener. Uh, but I don't think he's a, a winner pick here. Um, I'm thinking of something crazy like Mark Layal. Or it's not that crazy, of course, but he also was coming from Grand B, right? So I'm not sure what he's um like how how much well, time well, he I mean, actually Grand B he lost second round, so I think he lost yeah, second yeah. round. I know, but you know, uh, I don't know where he had his flight and etc. But he he is a real winner pick, I think here. Uh, Ugo Grenier, of course, is um well. I just said that we are missing a trick by not picking Ugo Grenier. Mm -hmm. Um, can he go back to back? Maybe. Um, I mean, I'm not he, sure. Um, Fuchovic. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that he has done well uh, back to back on on these sorts of events um, before, right? Last year, maybe. Last year there was Pozoblanco Segovia. I think he lost second round in Pozoblanco and then won Segovia, so it wasn't like a full on back to back run. Mm. Um, but I think that's what I'm gonna go for. You know, I, I just said that we were stupid not to pick Hugo Grenier. I'm not gonna make the mistake again. Or actually, no, no, no. I just realized that he can play Fikovic in the second round and then Layal in the quarters. I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna be extremely boring, and I'm just gonna go with Martin Fuchovic, I suppose. I mean, I, I'm not really sure why he's playing this. Like he's so much better than the rest of the field, and it kind of gives me the feeling of unease that you know something will, something wild will happen. Uh, but I'm actually going to go with Martin Fuchovic. And this is actually the second top seed that I've picked. Uh, I kind of feel ashamed, but at the same time, I might start thinking about making this the theme of this week. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I was glad when you said that you were going to pick Grenier because I have uh, Fuchovic written down. Uh, as we said, Grenier does well in these types of events, but partially is that because it's a weaker field and he usually doesn't have to face somebody of the of the quality of Maton Fuchovic. Uh, usually in these tournaments, it's quite possible. Uh, so Fuchovic to me is the most talented player in this draw. I I, I like his section as well. Um, his his entire half actually I, I quite like. So yeah, yeah we, we're going to match here uh, with with Maton Fuchovic. Uh, we can go over to Verona now, where the top seed is David Goffin, fresh off Hopman Cup. Uh, he will face Nerman Fatic in the first round, and then Tito Adroge potentially in the second round. That could be tricky or a qualifier. Genaro Alberto Olivieri is the other seed in the section, playing a qualifier, and then Salvatore Caruso or another qualifier. Uh, we must have had a withdrawal because Vitali Sachko is listed here. Benoit Pair was the withdrawal. Benoit Pair, yeah. He, he, he was in in LA playing the um, what's that exhibition called? Uh, Ultimate Tennis Showdown. Yes, yeah, UTS. I was going to say UTR, but that's the that's the other one. Uh, so yeah, Vitali Sachko is in here, nine seed playing Guido Andreozzi, and then Buruchaga or Hassan. Mark Pomans is the six seed playing Francisco Comesania, and then Taberner, who gets a wild card here or a qualifier. Francesco Passaro, fresh off a final, will face Andrea Pellegrino and then Federico Gaia or Sumit Nagal coming off of a title. Pedro Martinez is the third seed in the wild card as well, playing a qualifier, and then Yuji Vesely or Federico Del Bonis. We also have Ugo, Ugo Gaston here playing uh, Marco Trunjaiti. Now three weeks uh, on, on, in, in a row that Gaston is playing. Uh, could then face Vitkop Shiva or a qualifier in the second round. Camilo Ugo Carabay is here, the seventh seed. Playing Eduardo Lavagno and then Luciano Daddari or Nick Hart. In the qualifying, we have uh, Golovchik facing Lucas Neumayer. We have Chun Sin Seng playing Francesco Forti. Uh, Max Hokes also in here. Napolitano also in there. Valentin Royer, Matthias Borg. Uh, in the doubles, we have Guido Andreozzi and Jonathan Eseric teaming up to be the top seeds. Shimon Valkov plays with Team South Kowlen. Uh, Durasovic and Taberner are teaming up together. Matuszewski, after a title last week, playing with Igor Zelenai this week. Let's see what happens there. Uh, Romeos and Jason Taylor coming uh, coming off of a title, also playing together this week. Uh, Romboli and Zorman are the second seeds. Interesting doubles draw here. But going back to the singles, who do you like for the title in Verona? Yeah, again, don't really see any threats in the qualifying when it comes to the... You know potential title winners um just that just the, you know the draw is too strong um love that opening round between like Passaro Pellegrino Carabelli Lavagno but it doesn't really want to make me pick these guys Martinez um the section looks pretty tough uh Gaston go, you know going back to back I mean on, in three consecutive weeks winning challenger titles has happened before in recent years um of course Talon Griegsport Benjamin Bonzi Ben Shelton um, recent years, so like the past two seasons, but Gaston, will he be able to do it? Um, it would be an insane achievement. The second quarter is really um, a bit of a mess now after Per retired, uh, sorry, withdrew. But then again, would Benoit Per there actually change all that much? That's, that's I guess, a, you know, a, a bit of a question of whether Per can sustain um, a, you know, a solid level in, in, in a few matches, but at least recently he has been able to do that. So I think Benoit Per actually was a, a decent pick if he was still here. 
but that second quarter is just very even right now. So I don't think there's any title winning chances there. And for now, I'm just going to keep up my theme of picking the top seeds. You know, David Goffin, um hasn't been particularly good this year on, on clay, I think. Uh, but he's had some patches of brilliance you know grass was was very decent for him with the third round at Wimbledon he played Hopman Cup last week lost to Alcaraz and Chorich both in super tiebreakers um let's let's try it um I think maybe he plays himself into form Droguet could be a tough second round opponent given you know that he just has a lot more match rhythm and um yeah should be in just in, in just better form sort of than Gufem. Uh, but if he is able to pull through a couple of matches here, then he should be making the final here probably. So, so yeah, I'm going to go with David Goffin. Yeah, we're, we're going to match again here. I just feel like the bottom half is so much stronger than the top half. Yeah. That, like, looking at the potential road for, for Goffin to the final, nobody just particularly worries me too much. So I, so I really don't see a reason why I shouldn't. Uh, pick Gufan here, even if the form hasn't been uh, great. But yeah, I mean, Fatic, Droge, and then Caruso or Olivieri or Qualifier, Sachko, um, Andreozita, Bener, Comesania, whoever it is in the semis, I think that's a nice draw as well. So we're going to yeah, match up here for the for the second time. Ben Lamper withdrawing was like really the thing that messed up the power balance here. Yeah, yeah. Let's go over to Salidas, our challenger 75 this week. The only one, Emilio Gomez, is the top seed playing Gonzalo Lama and then Omar Jessica or Adam Walton. Dane Sweeney is the fifth seed playing Lee Tu and then a qualifier or Tristan Skukit. So many Australians all in this one section in, in Salinas with, with Gomez and, and Lama. Uh, Kaichi Uchida plays Christian Langmo and then Aldo Chilibilic or Aiden Mayo. Um, we have Abdullah Shelbay here as well, the sixth seed playing a qualifier, and then Bernard Tomic or another qualifier. David Zhukaev plays Pedro Bosca de Diaz, uh, and then Filip Sekulic or Alexander Kozbinov. Giovanni Mpeci Pericard plays a qualifier, and then Alex Bolt or Angel Diaz Khalil. Um, Rio Noguchi plays uh, a qualifier, and then Andres Andrade or another qualifier. Yevgeny Donskoy plays Alvaro Guillermesa, and then Ilya Marchenko or Omni Kumar. Uh, we don't have uh, a North uh, an, a, a North American event this week, and that's why I think the draw looks looks the way it looks, uh, sort of a bit unusual for for a South American challenger. In the qualies, we have Martin Dam, we have Nathan Ponwith. Uh, Arklon Wetas del Pino is here. Matija Petrotic uh, won a round against Andres Urea and will play uh, Blake Ellis for a spot in the main draw. Padergill, Alfredo Perez, Tristan Boyer. So we'll see over in the doubles. We have Blake Ellis and Tristan Schoolcate as the, as the top seeds with a bye. We also have Jessica and Walton, the first round opponents, teaming up in doubles. The top three seeds all have buys, actually. The Wetas, Del Pino brothers, as well as uh, and then Pottergill and uh, Sweeney all have buys. Kelsey Stevenson is playing with Jorge Panta. That's that's a bit random, uh, but interesting. Kirkov and Perez are in here as well. Abdullah Shelby, he's playing with Andres Andrade. But going back to the singles, who do you like for the title in Salinas? This is one where, you know, the, the feed isn't as strong and maybe the qualifiers could actually do something, like if Dam, Bonwith, or maybe even Pekotish landed in a, in a decent section. But I, I am going to stick to main draw players, definitely. Uh, no, one, no one speaks out to me that, all that much. 
Um, Patchy Pericard, this could be a big one for him. Uh, I now wonder if I should just go with the theme of picking the top seeds, and it's probably not that wrong, you know. Emilio Gomez is the two-time defending champion, so um, it's probably a right idea. Um, but is it also a fun theme of just picking the top seeds? It could be fun because I don't actually know who's the top seed in, in Astana, so uh, it could be fun in that sense, you know, that I'm going to find out in a moment and then I'm sort of stuck with it, uh, whatever happens. Um, oh, I think I actually know who's the top seed in Astana. Shoot. Um, you know, at this stage, I might as well go for all top seeds. Let's let's just try Emilio Gomez. Is he the best big here? He is among them. Uh, that section with uh, so many Australians is actually pretty tough. Um, I think uh, so. So maybe he's not like the ideal, optimal pick. But at the same time, there are so many. Um, like the draw is just really even. So uh, if you pick someone like Bechi Pericard or Zhukayev or I don't know Shelby, uh, you still have a lot of danger just in some other rounds. So yeah, I'm just gonna stick with my uh, theme of picking the top seeds and go with Emilio Gomez. But um, it's not. A vote of confidence really here even though he is a two-time defending champ yeah i mean it's it's tough with gomez because yeah as as you said defending champion this these courts clearly suit him a lot the form has just not been there yeah at all this year um since he made like the what like like semis uh of, of cleveland he made the quarterfinals in dallas and since then he has not been able to well he, he went back to back matches once uh, in, in Guangzhou over Chilik Bilik and Palan. So he's just not been able to summon the level that we have seen from him uh, last year and the year before uh, that even. Uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what this is going to look like from, from Gomez. Uh, a good opportunity to maybe regroup. But also, I mean, yeah, as you said, some, some tough opponents in this section. I... Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to match you again. But yeah, Mpechi Perigat also has some potential pitfalls in this section. But I think I'm going to be going with him anyway, just on the on the altitude here. The the, the game should work uh, nicely. But yeah, both in there, Sekuli Jukaev potentially in the quarterfinals. Will, Salinas is will actually not. Oh, is that is it at altitude? By the way, sorry, oh, is I, not? I'm not sure. I typed in uh, Salinas altitude and I, I realized that it actually showed me California Salinas. So I'm, I'm not sure uh, right now. <laughs> I can't find it at the moment. Um, yeah, not sure. I'll try to find it, but I'm not, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I, th I thought it was up high, but maybe maybe I am wrong. No, no, no. I, 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 just, had no, I just had no clue. Um, yeah, potentially, yeah. All right, I will start reading up the draw for, for Astana while you find out that information. Mikhail Kukushkin is the top seed there, playing Yevgeny Tunev. And then Narenta Tokuda or Digvijay uh, sorry, Digvijay Pratap Singh. Filip uh, Olivo is the fifth seed there, playing Timur Maulanov. And then Yevgeny Karlovsky or qualifier, Dmitry Popko plays Koray Kirchi. And then Humoyun uh, Sultanov or Shuichi Sekiguchi. Alafia Ayani is the seventh seed here playing qualifier. And then Leo Borg or another qualifier. Leo Borg without a wild card here. It's it, it's an unusual sight. Hmm. Uh, but here we have him. Denis Yevsev is the third seed playing Ajit Rai. And then Robin Bertrand or Orel Kimhi. Seba Purceladze is the eighth seed at, uh, playing qualifier. And then Neil Oberleitner or another qualifier. 
Benjamin Locke is the second seed playing Yusuke Takahashi and then Islam Orimbasa or SD Prajwal Dev. Uh, Yanki Erel plays Zurat Kemaladze and then Ruben Statham or a qualifier. In the qualifying, we have a good number of them. Uh, Zgirovsky, Filipov, Singh, Rabat, no big names really. Gerasimov is one that could make it, uh, who, who would be a big name coming out of qualifying. In the doubles, uh, we have Toshi Hidematsu and Kato Wesugi as the top seeds. Uh, Denis Istomin is here playing with Yevgeny Karlovsky. Uh, Filip Pelivo is playing with Takahashi. They will actually face Gerasimov and Yevsev. Uh, the wild cards here. Alafi Ayani is playing with Yanki Erel. Uh, Lomakin is playing with Ajidrai. Locke is playing with Statham. They could be potential favorites for the title here as well. But going back to the singles, who do you like for the title in Astana? Uh, yeah, Salinas, I haven't been able to find like altitudes um, when it comes to this event, but um, I saw uh, where it is on the map. And given that it is a, like a sea re- resort, I think it's it's a fair assumption that it's not going to be an altitude. Um, okay. So, um, yeah, um, but still, Petri Perigard, I think, is a, is, a, is a very good pick there. I probably would have gone for him if not, um, if not um, for my top seed theme. And of course, the top seed in Astana is Mikhail Kukushkin. So without further, further ado, I'm actually going to pick him, uh, which, um, you know, he is ranked 100 spots higher than the rest of the field. Is he uh, like guaranteed to win this? Probably not, but he has been doing pretty well recently. Evgeny Turnev is a fairly tough opener already. Of course, Turnev um, struggling with injuries, but still a quality player. Uh, Pelivo, I, I wondered if he's going to do <laughs> anything here. Um, in general, for a lot of these players with this quality of the field, like this is such a huge chance. You know, 50 points, it's like basically winning two 25Ks at the same time. And the level is more or less of that of a 25K, of like a fairly strong 25K. Um, maybe not even a fairly strong one. Like there, there are constantly 25Ks with guys like Putzeladze, you know, FCAF, Locke as, as one of the top seeds, right? Maybe Kukushkin is like the only, the only thing that differs it. Um, Alafia Yeni is the seventh seed. That's really wild to see him here. But yeah, it's a, it's a smart choice to go to Kazakhstan. Leo Boric has made some progress, but I don't think he's a real title-winning big. Dimitri Popko, always a chance that he gets back to the challenger level somehow. Maybe the big serve of Sabah Putzeladze will get him somewhere. Denis Yevsiev, of course, did very well in this in this event last year. I don't think it was a 50, though, right? I think it was a um, an 80 back then. When uh, when he lost in the final to Safiulin, and um, yeah, from the qualifying, I don't think anyone is really capable of winning. It's um, probably Gerasimov is an interesting selection. Maybe it's Tommy uh, lost in this in two sets to Arslanbek Aitkulov, which is really uh, wild. But of course, Istomin is now like more you know, more of a coach than a player, and much, yeah. um. Yeah, I, I'm as I said, I'm going with Kukushkin. Good form recently. Um, he is much better than the rest of the field. Maybe he actually uh, converts it into a title. Yeah, I mean, Kukushkin is probably the, the pick to go with here. Uh, I don't want to match you again, though. I thought about Ayani. Um, I'm 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 a big admirer of his of his talent, but uh, little Borg just coming off of a big confidence boost. Uh, I don't really like that in second round Popko. We, we we don't know. Maybe, maybe he turns it on. Uh, but somebody 
else who I'm hoping that it will turn it on here is Denis Yevsev. He has, of course, been been out of form, out of the top 400. Uh, but as you said, had a nice result here last week, not last year. I, I quite like the draw uh, of, of as, as a section overall. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Yevsev here. He's out of the top 400. Wow, I didn't even realize. I guess that that is because yeah. the points have already dropped for, for this final last year. Probably. Probably, yeah. Um, I, I guess so. Yeah, it was last it was yeah, literally last week. So he dropped 50, 50 points, I think. So that's why he's outside the top, top four hundred right now. Yeah, that that's that's definitely a bit too low. Um but yeah, um that's that's gonna be, be it for today. Uh we're gonna see you guys in, in seven days to talk about um Jesus, that's gonna be hard today. Um Segovia, Verona, uh Zug. Uh, Salinas and Astana. Okay, it wasn't this hard. Um, thanks for listening as always, and uh, yeah, see you, see you then. Bye. We'll see if my top picks uh, work out. Bye.